once again. Thank you all for joining us. This is Nuance. As always, I'm Mike Scala, and we will be talking about the ballot questions on the ballot in New York in a few minutes. But of course, we are joined by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop artist and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Oh, you know, same old, same old, early morning. Uh, but it's all right. No, not bad. Morning's in Japan. How's the weather out there right now? Um, you know what? It's actually not too bad. It's a little chilly, but uh, it's, it's slightly warmed up over the past uh, past couple of weeks. So been doing that and then getting a bunch of work done because I'm preparing for uh, another trip up to Tokyo next week to guest speak at Temple University. Okay. So getting that stuff together. Well, there you go. Sounds good. Of course, you're in Japan joining us live from New York. We've got our friend Kairul Kukan of the American Bangladeshi Community Development, or ABCD for short. How are you, Kairul? Good. Thank you for having me. My school, nice seeing you, brother. Yes, you as well. So we're going to talk about all the things that you're into, but we usually start off with something on the light side. Jay, you got anything on the light side this week? On the light side, um, you know, there was a poll a couple of weeks back that 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 came out that said that um, the New York accent was the least attractive <laughs> in the world. Yeah, I saw that. Attractive. I take think offense that? to that. <laughs> you take offense? Yeah, the least attractive in the world? Come on now. <laughs> Who are you going to throw under the bus? When I go out of state, people like my accent. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Like they said, I think I think the Australian accent was supposed to be the most attractive. Attractive, yes. Do they pull Did mostly Aussies? I see it. Yeah, but well, I I don't agree at all, to be honest. <laughs> right. Uh, I think the poll was done by a group in Australia, so I guess it doesn't. Oh come on! Yeah, <laughs> come on! It just so happens that they're number one. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a coincidence! What a coincidence! <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, 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 who was Paul? Was hold it? on. No, hold on, hold on. This looks like this was oh. the survey took into account the opinions of 1,000 Americans. Uh, only Americans. Specifically, specifically asking of their perceptions of different accents using audio samples from George Mason University. So uh, Americans are the ones that said uh, that uh, New York was the worst. The top eight were Canadian. Um, what was it here? The most repulsive one in the world was New York. Um, Boston was number two. And then the top eight was Canadian, American Southern, Spanish, German, and the Yorkshire accent. Is it the most attractive according to this? No, no, no. These were the, where's oh, the, the most Steve. repulsive? Top eight, <laughs> infamous. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, Australian... Was, was considered the most attractive, uh, followed by Scotland, London, Ireland, France, Italy, Wales, and Birmingham. So basically, no one liked the way Americans speak in general. <laughs> wow. Crazy. When I leave New York, people always tell me, say coffee again, say dog again. So. <laughs> but, but are they liking it or are they mocking you? No, they, like it. they like it. You know what's funny, guys? Because uh, I go to, I have a lot of family in London, mm. and every time when I go to London, like 
like the, the the town you guys had Birmingham. Every time when I go over there, they love the New York accent. Yeah. They like literally they they attach me to the couch. They like Pukan, just keep on just talk, say anything you want, because keep on talking. They love it. <laughs> now they voting against us. Do you know, know, I think <laughs> I think like in that in that situation, it's kind of like it's it's for them TV and media made real. Like I hear this on TV now, I'm someone is in live in person speaking it. Yeah, yeah, say it again. I love it. This is great. Yeah, right. But then they go and betray us in this poll. Well, this looks like Americans are the ones that did the voting on this. Right, but okay. When you leave New York, though, even within America, I think there are people influenced by media, right? Because even media in the U.S. is right. New York dominant, and of course, there are regional media markets, but the big media, right? And I think people are attracted to it. I, you know, I'm sure there are people who don't like it, but it hasn't been my experience. But and then, then there's probably my accent isn't as strong as some others. So I don't know. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like there are varying degrees of the New York accent, like people in, in, in Long Island, there's don't sound the same as like people in like certain parts of Brooklyn or New York right. or Queens. Well, yeah, there's definitely a Brooklyn accent, Queens accent. I guess Long Island and Queens might be a little similar. But there are definitely regional dialects within New York. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe yeah. they're showing them the worst of us. I want to see. I want to hear the sample. <laughs> Who's representing New York in this poll? It was like everybody from like probably or like uh, maybe really strong. Like uh, what was that? What was that? That reality you know, show? Was it Sylvester Stallone's accent? <laughs> yeah. What was that reality show out of New Jersey? Jersey Shore? Uh, Jersey Shore, maybe there was like something strong like that Probably. they were showing. Probably. So. I actually heard a long time ago that when people study to become newscasters, they tried to get them to speak like people in Omaha, Nebraska, because that was supposed right. to be the most neutral accent in the country. Right, right. That Yeah. It, like, I mean, if you're in the Midwest and you go probably up a little bit too north, then you get into like um, a mix of the Canadian and um, uh, what is that? That Wisconsin type yep. Of, yep. of thing. Minnesota. Little, right. And you go a little bit too south and you start to creep into the southern. Right. You know, right. type of accent. So, yeah. You go too north and the outs become oots. <laughs> yeah. So interesting i demand a recount on that <laughs> <laughs> have to redo that poll somewhere absolutely so what's going on with you kairul i know you're busy with abcd what's been happening lately uh, lately we just had the 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 bengali election if i could if you guys are gonna if i can explain to you briefly okay. uh like you know how back in the days the italian community had here in old zone park where it's it's the 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 committee is here, it's it's based in here in New York, but it's the it's, it's for the for the people uh, uh, of the county of Silet. Okay, let's say let's say I'm from I'm from New York City, but I'm from Ozone Park. I'm from Silet, but I'm from Bieni Bazaar. Mm -hmm. So, long story short, we had about uh, six five or six thousand people voting on Hundred First Avenue and Eighty Eighth Street, uh, majestic uh, party hall. Uh, the 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 election just finished this past Sunday and and as a two uh, two party a panel one party had 19 uh, candidates and the other party had 19 candidates D this uh, group of people what they do is they do community work let's say uh, somebody in the community dies and is from that county you know 
county uh, Benny Bazaar. So if that particular family is not well off or if they need any any rental help or they need any funeral help, any kind of help uh, in terms of uh, of a difficulty, this organization has substantial amount of money in their account where they come out and help. Oh. Are you saying that there are people now who are living in New York who are elected to represent specific counties in Bangladesh? No, people, people, people from Bangladesh, people from that county live in New York, Ozone Park. Right. It's it's a little tricky, uh, but let me explain again. People, yes, they're from New York. They're from Bangladesh, yes, but they they can't live live in New York. Ozone they're living Park. in New York. Yes, and they were they elected from, now. Yeah. To represent their home, their home county, is that what it is? Yes, yes, yes. But those people reside in New York. Yes, they, yes. Everybody, yes, yes. Correct, correct. So it was a good turnout. You know, uh, uh, one panel won. Obviously, one one panel lost. But uh, it was a great turnout, and uh, the new committee will come in before the New Year's, mm-hmm. and hopefully, brings you know a lot of good stuff to the community in terms of new funeral homes and new 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 cemeteries uh they're working on a uh a new workshop on a new new building they're gonna buy on uh the 77th street 101st avenue they already have one they're also looking for another one they want to buy so these things are in the works okay now was this abcd that put this on or would you just no no this this is bnd bazaar uh, uh, BNB Bazaar Association of America USA Inc. But yes, ABC was part of helping them yesterday. Correct. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. We aligned with the with, you know, we aligned with the one or two precinct. Uh, also, uh, cop CP were was there also mm-hmm. helping the helping the uh, the police the one or second precinct the one or six precinct because there was a huge crowd, right. uh, long line. So we were we we were there to make sure. That that their people were able to, able to vote, go inside, and there were no trouble in the lines. Shout out to Cop CP. We've had Danny as well as Ali on here before. So, yeah. how often are these elections? Are they every year? Every few years? It's it's every every few years, every two years, every two okay. years. Okay. And uh, there are about seven thousand uh, seven thousand voters, and yesterday turnout was about. Uh, four thousand three hundred and seventy-five. Mm. Mm. Wow. Okay, so a lot of responsibility that they're. Getting. Oh yeah, oh yes. <laughs> uh, but now, is there one person for every county? Is that how it works? No, no, no. It's, okay. it's basically it's like uh, Democrat and Republicans, yeah. but they have uh, just panel A and panel B. Each panel right. has 19, 19 candidates. Nineteen candidates. 19, yeah. Yes, nineteen candidates. So a uh, panel A one, there's sixteen candidates. One panel B. Three candidates won. Right. So in total, 19, 19 candidates come out. But it was, you know, from both panels. Right. Uh, but you were saying, parties. though, that they, they represent their home counties in Bangladesh, right? So no, no. is it one per county or no? No, they represent, although they are from that part of town in Bangladesh, right. yeah. but they, uh, and I'm, I'm going to clear up for the people that are watching. Yeah. They are living in New York. I understand and all, that. And all the work is, everything is, everything is New done. York. New York, exactly. Yeah, 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 no, but, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought you were saying though that they were responsible for their own. Like, if something were to happen in their home county, they would be like the point person to handle that. Situation. Oh yeah, uh, that, yes, yes, Mike, that too. Let's say, uh, let's say when COVID happened uh, or, or flooding happens, 
people people in New York would, would gather up from the right. county, would raise money or go out there, give supplies, you know, mm-hmm. mask or, or or whatever whatever it is, they will they'll come together, raise money. Let's say like uh, somebody dies from that county in New York. Yeah. They will pay for all the expense for the funeral to send in the body back home. Right. But it's it's for people that it's for the people in the communities in New York. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, right. sir. yes. So uh, it's it's a it's like a you know like um kind of a, a local coalition so to speak to to help the communities that's living in New York that are but they're from Bangladesh but they're living in yes, New York. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Correct. Because, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, coming to a new country um, can be, you know, difficult for immigrants. And so it's it's good to have, you know, people in your community that are, just, you know, looking out for others around with with help or, you know, like I said, maybe some financial stuff or information type of thing. Yes, yes. And they, they do have a community, a community uh, help desk, which they did have it. And uh, this organization has been in, established since 1988. And now is each day by day it's grown. You know, 1988 they 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 had three three hundred people, and today is over more than ten thousand people. You know, it has dramatically grown in numbers. They bought a building on Hundred First Avenue at Hundred First Avenue at Seventy Seventh Street, and they are expanding day by day. And they want to go into helping people in terms of uh, behind rent and 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 and, and so forth. You know. And this is a uh, like all through donations. Yes, sir. All through donations. Nice. Yes, that's pretty. That's that's pretty good. It sounds similar. Like um, I don't. I don't know if they do it as much these days. But in the sixties and seventies, when the uh, Black Panthers would mm. form these uh, community initiatives and raise money to help people in the community that might might need something, or they point out an issue, and they would you know they had the soup the, the food kitchens, and they had um you know all these types of things it's like basically community looking after community so to speak correct correct yes that that's that's a proper way to say it. correct now does the ozone park and east new york city line area have the highest concentration of bengalis anywhere in the u.s uh, yes uh today actually very good. today i was in brooklyn uh church avenue and mcdonald's Mm-hmm. Uh, they have great amount of uh, Bengalis in that in that community also uh, in in Brooklyn uh, by by near Coney Island. There's a right. massive Bengali community over there. I was I was I was there today. I was on my lunch break from work. I had to uh, go inspect a house, mm-hmm. and uh, I stopped by for lunch. And I I mean, I believe uh, they are probably the most intense Bengali populated community in New York City. Church McDonald's in Brooklyn. Okay. All right. Wait. You, you you stopped in for lunch in a Bengali community. Yes. And you went to McDonald's. No, no, no. It's, it's on McDonald's Avenue. It's on McDonald's. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There's got to be much better food than McDonald's. No, no, no. It's, it's no, no. It's on McDonald's Avenue. To to clarify, it's on McDonald's and Church Avenue. You know. Okay. On that topic, Jay, there was a halal truck in Howard Beach, and it left Howard Beach, and I'm missing it. I was driving around yesterday <laughs> trying to find it. I went to South Ozone Park to, <laughs> to get my halal fix. <laughs> right, right. Well, let me ask you this question here: um, are, are you are you um, from Bangladesh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so, in, where where can you find the better food in Bangladesh or in the Bengali community in New York? Mm. Since you're How talking about food. 
come in Oslo Park. We have we have various restaurants here in Oslo Park City Line. We have you know from spice to mild to sweetness. You know, you, you can get all the all the flavor you like right here. Better in, than in Bangladesh. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Better than Bangladesh. I wouldn't say that, but very close. Yeah, I would, you know, I, very close. Yeah, you're very close. There you go. All right. Since you brought up food, I had to ask. You know. Sure. Yeah. I haven't haven't had breakfast yet. It's it's morning over here, so you know, food's on my mind now. Whenever whenever you're in the states, you're more than welcome, Jay. (laughs) Okay, for sure, for sure. There were efforts to get a cricket field. I know cricket is big in the community. Have you heard anything about that lately? Yes. In terms of the cricket field, what happened was that 2024 and New York is hosting it. So initially, they had the plan. Uh, to have it in the Bronx, but the Bronx Community Board went against the the plan to have it in the Bronx. They wow, had the stadium. They had the stadium. Uh, you know what? I can't even pronounce that word. I C H A. I can't even. You know, I can't. Icon is it? Yeah, Icon Stadium. Somewhere in 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 that part of Bronx. Uh, but the community board didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't approve it. So now it's happening in Long Island, Jericho, Long Island, Roswell. So 2024 cricket will happen in the U S but it's going to be in Long Island, Jericho, Roslyn, you know, you have various field, it fills in Long Island. So it's going to be in Long Island. Okay. And you happen to know what's going on with Bagdis? Bagdis, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too sure because uh, I'm. I haven't. I've been very busy with my with my work yeah. and, and and other stuff that I'm doing. I'm not really sure what's going on. Uh, uh, but yeah, I haven't. You know, I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the president. I, actually, I seen the president of Baghdad yet uh, Sunday at the election center. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not really aware of what's actually happening. Uh, they provided a lot of services to the youth in the community, right? I'm sorry. They provided a lot of services for the youth. Oh yes, uh, can I elaborate yeah. on? And, and yeah. uh, is how do I put it? Bagdis, we were little kids. We had no clue what community board was, was what, what community board was, what organization was. We had, we you know, we had, we didn't have anybody to teach us, you know, so. I, you know, I want to give all the credit. I mean, uh, I'm sure if, I'm not sure if uh, people are watching on here, or maybe they will later on. I have the, we have to give the credit, especially Banga- Bengalis living in in the vicinity of Ozone Park City Line, that Mizba Abdin has done so much for the community. It is unprecedented. You know, uh, when he started Baghdad, we had no crew. Clue, clues about food pantries. We had no clues about uh, grants. We had no clue clue about our beach and the Italian community and and, and, and the African American community and the Hispanic community. All these communities that we're aligned today, we had we are not we we had no clue. Of- your audio went out. We, I think we lost your audio there. And. It- Kairul, are you with us? We can see you. We can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Wait, yeah. back. There we go. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. 
So the last thing we heard was you, that you weren't in touch with all the other communities around you. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so through Baghdad, you know, so many communities came to our community. We welcomed them. They welcomed us. You know, so many other avenues opened up. And, and, and that's why I think uh, sitting here in 2023 here in Olson Park City, Line, we are, you know, we know so many other communities that you know, we're allowed with because of backlist, because, you know, Ms. was able to bring so many uh, resources into the community. Uh, even the even the precincts, you know, the captain, we didn't know who the captain was, to be honest. Let's be, uh, you know, let's be real. Yeah. Uh, so all these you know, all these agencies, all, you know, all the precinct council meeting, all the community board meetings, all these outreaches were uh, done through Bagness and, and, and Alaman Mosque on Four Belt Street, you know, they used to come there. So bit by bit, we learned from Bagness and, and, and we're taking it slowly as we go on. Absolutely. And it's really good to have that link between the community and the power structure, if you want to call it that, the elected officials. You know, when I grew up in in my communities, people didn't even know who their city council member was, oh, yes. who the assembly was, or any of that stuff. But you go into some of these immigrant communities, I know especially true in the Hispanic communities. You go up in, you know, uptown, Inwood, and they're much more tuned in to their local officials. Oh, yeah. Very a necessity, right? Because they're oftentimes new immigrants to the country. They might get something in the mail that scares them. You know, what is this? I don't know. There's a language barrier there. Oh, yeah. So they'll take it to their local elected official. It becomes a much more important role, I think, in the oh, community yeah. than in some of these other areas where we take it for granted. Yes. Yes. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Like you said, um, uh, Mike. So much language barriers. So many people got even, you know, people that were struggling, they could even uh, apply for uh, uh, a regular food stamp. They had to go to go into Bagdas. Bagdas was an avenue where you get, you know, a medical form. You know what I mean? Yes. So, all you know, all the people could read and write. So, yes, Bagdas played a, played a dramatic role in, in, in helping people and changing their lives. And today we are a much better community where we stand than we were 10 years ago. Absolutely. So shout out to Ms. Bush, shout out to everyone doing that great work, including yourself in the community. And you're also about the Lions Club, right? So you got the meetings there too. Yes, yes, yes. I'm also, I was, I was actually, initially I started Lions with East New York Lions Club. And then, you know, now I aligned with uh, Sam Esposito. You know, he welcomed me. He said, mm. come join me. I said, why not? You know, most of my activities are here in Ozone Park and City Line. So, you know, I already know about the lionism and, it's, you know, lionism is, it's all about, you know, your work, your, your heart, you know, you want to give that extra time that, you know, the, when, it, when a senior needs, we have a lot of seniors in Ozone Park. I mean, we have a lion chat group, you know, any, a lot of time we have so many seniors in Ozone Park, they live on their own. They don't, they can't go to their medical appointment. A lot of, a lot of them are on medication. They run out of medication. Their phone is not charged. They cannot make a phone call to their pharmacy. So many, you know, a lot, a lot of seniors cannot get out of the house. They cannot shop. So these things we try to, you know, uh, COVID time, this, this, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I want, I'm not gonna disclose the name. This is a senior person, uh, uh, no, from the Heart Beach community, and, and and she was all by herself. You know, we shopped for her, we bought medicine for her. You know, and 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 she she, she didn't know us from us from a hole in the wall. But you know, 
that she welcomed us but you know she was like literally attached to a bed you know we went right. in we right. you know we cleaned her up we we gave her food we gave her medicine you know uh, all the stuff she like she loves pasta so we, we spiced it up and with pasta so was was bengali go. bengali spice and pasta mixed <laughs> yeah, together pasta, yeah <laughs> that sounds good yeah yeah, yeah. so we, we try we try to help you know we, we're trying every single day to to you know uh, to, to to change lives but you right. know it takes right. it's baby steps you know yeah, but, but a small difference can go a long way right a long Especially way now. absolutely absolutely right. you can inspire others to follow suit now you have a lot of people each doing something small which adds up yes yeah, absolutely absolutely you, you yourself mike you are a great uh, contributor to the community you. and you know uh, and you are you know you're a very very knowledgeable person and you know we, 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 we you know we welcome you to your community we respect your knowledge and and you know thank you for bringing us to this yeah. platform today. of course thank you one time you called me i think an italian bengali if i'm not mistaken we were on an abc newscast once because there were incidents happening if you recall uh, around the violence in the area and one yes. of the issues that was raised was that many of the victims were afraid to call the police because they were oh, yes. afraid about their immigration status being questioned or whatever. And we were trying to put that information out to the people that the police were not allowed to ask about that. And you shouldn't be afraid to report being victimized because what was happening is people would know that they were, there were people who would be afraid to call the police and they would victimize that population because they thought they can get away with it. Yes, I, you know, even till today, Mike and, and Jay, uh, we have our biggest problem. I see that I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to over exaggerate things, but uh, people are very scared, and you know they don't, they don't understand the fact that look, it doesn't matter if you, if you, if your, if your status is not legal in the country, NYPD. Uh, they are not going to ask you for your legal status. They, you know, uh, the bill has passed. They don't. They're not allowed to ask for your legal status. You know, whatever, whatever the crime happened, at the current situation, they they should take care of it, and it's up to the judge to do. You know, what he or she has to do. Mm -hmm. So, in that notion, what I'm telling my point is that, uh, uh, especially people that live in this vicinity, obviously, like also Park, they're very. Uh, they don't like drama. They don't like, you know, calling the police and going through the whole procedure. They're very afraid because, you know, and look, they work 8, 10, 15, 12 hours a day. They yeah. come home, crash. A lot, and a lot of them work in the restaurant field in the city. They're coming home 2 or 3 in the morning. A lot of them drive in cab. They're coming home 4 or 5 in the morning. And imagine you're working all day, and by the time you get home, you get robbed. You know what I mean? Right. So especially summer times it, it happens a lot you know it happens a lot you know uh, people people get smacked around their, their phones get taken they get run around their gunpoint like this year we had so many uh so many situations so many incidents that happened you know so many people got, got robbed at gunpoint you know and yeah. even getting even after getting robbed at gunpoint they don't want to report this scared you know so so these things we're trying to work like these things we're slowly working on like Baghdad, like abcd like the bnb uh, society that had the election on sunday these are the 
forefront association where we are placing uh, offices in in on each block where we can mentor them we can welcome them any kind of help they need it's free the help is free and yeah. you don't have to pay for anything you know so we're, we're we're working with our people you know even people even if somebody comes from bangladesh to new york before they before they land in jfk their job is ready their their apartment is ready that's why we're trying to hit at it sounds, right. it sounds let me ask let me ask you this here and um you know you you touched on it and even and mike touched on it as well as as you know reporting incidences like that or even having a connection with the police can be intimidating um yes. as, as in you know as anyone in, in america as a brown person in america as an immigrant in america regardless you know, whether your status is, is one way or the other or or just in general how do you communicate that to the people there that you know you should be reporting this you should take that step um you know one they're not going to commit not going to comment on your status or they shouldn't comment on your status there shouldn't be any sort of repercussions or, or problems how do you get people to get past that that fear and apprehension of doing it uh, you talking to me yeah 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 see what happened is that now it's actually people are stepping up because where we did a like a little survey why people are not reporting what happened mm. is that like 15 20 10 15 years from now our seniors were leading us right but our seniors had language barriers they didn't know the captain of the, of the seven fire precinct they didn't know the captain of the one or two the 106 the you know the 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 the, the one and a half, two mile radius that we live in, they had no connection, or the, or our seniors didn't know English uh, enough to explain the situation. So we lacked in that. Now our young kids are going to school. They're educated. They're they're you know they're going now. They're smart. You know they have the direct uh, contact to the to, to the to the captain. We're we're, we're having we're joining with other organization. We're building our organization. You know. Uh, uh, the, the youth are much more uh, uh, active now. They're very active and going places, learning new things, involving the community, a diverse community. It doesn't matter if you're black, Spanish, Muslim, white, Chinese. It doesn't matter what what you are. You know, we're we're getting involved in other communities and other ethnicities. That's why uh, the the. The, the 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 aspect of not going to the police is actually uh, slightly being uh, slightly lower than before you know what i mean now yeah, people it's decreasing um, basically with another generation of assimilation basically yes yeah. correct exactly yes, yes. um yeah and, and you know there are a few points i think on that number one is it isn't only a matter of perpetrators victimizing these communities because they know that they're less likely to call the police it's also right. a matter of when the community wants to come in and demand more resources, for example, more police presence, or maybe even more lighting or cameras at a certain area, security by the trains, you know, whatever it is. It's hard to justify that type of response without the data to back it up because they'll come back at you and they'll say, well, the data shows no crime is happening here because it's not being reported or it's being underreported, right. right? And so if it actually is a serious problem, you need the numbers to back that up because that's how you get the resources that you want to address the problem. But the other thing I'll say on that is, it would be really helpful if the NYPD changed its policy to allow officers to serve their own precincts. Right now, they're not allowed to, right? And there's been a movement to try to change that. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyrule, has yeah. that been part of the advocacy at all? I know that they had said that there was a, con a concern that if you lived where you worked, you could be victimized or targeted, or I think they raised issues of possible corruption. I don't know. They always seem to have some flimsy excuses as to why they didn't want officers working where they lived. Yeah, because of conflict of interest. They still they still have that. You can't you can work with a certain mile radius of where you live. Right. They, yeah, they, right. yeah, they still I mean I I never you know Mr. Scala, you're an attorney and you would know more about this than you know, I, I would I never I never I always thought that it would be more useful for the community if somebody lives in the community they would understand the community more they right. can do more their work could be more productive than, than somebody come from away from babylon long island coming into ozone park he has no clue about ozone park or the yeah. community how it runs you know what i mean right. it's and he has to go the whole training process and it takes another six eight months for him to learn you right. get it so right. I, I mean i don't know i don't know what the nypd's uh they're they're thinking behind this but obviously they have their reasons but I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Why can't somebody I, live in Yeah, I'm with you on that. And hopefully at least there could be more Bengali officers coming up who could be assigned to those precincts, even if they don't live there, right? Because you said there are other areas. Maybe they can come from the other part of Brooklyn and, and, and serve our precinct here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, yeah. sorry. There, sorry. there are definitely things that they should know, you know, if you're going into communities, uh, especially in, in um, I wouldn't say necessarily, well, immigrant communities you know who might also bring a culture with them from their home country that might not be familiar to people that's not from that community and so that interaction that the police officer might have you know might be a case of misunderstanding if they don't really understand the community that they're in yeah yeah and the people yeah. in the community would feel more comfortable if they can speak the same language as the officer and they share those same cultural values. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing I forgot to add. Uh, 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 sorry, yeah, 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 Mike. Okay. No, no. Yeah, I forgot to add that uh, Sam Esposito from the president of Ozone Park Black Association mm. uh, for the past election, he, he helped us dramatically, call, you know, calling the prison and making making sure everything was okay. So yes, uh, I want to touch on Sam a little bit later on. That he yeah. did for the community, but I just want to, because that's so I don't forget. But I'll come back to Sam's story later on. If I, you know. Okay. Well, we're going to move on to the other topics in a minute here. So whatever else you wanted to say on this, go right ahead. Okay. Yes, Sam. Yes, uh, Sam Esposito is is the president of the Ozone Park Black Association. You know, he has uh, helped us break a lot of barriers in the community. You know, especially uh, vast majority of the community here in Heartbeat. Cross Bay is is Italian community, and 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 us on this side, uh, Bengali community. The bridge between us, you know, uh, before you know, uh, I, I don't know how to. Uh, I don't want to sound. Uh, I don't want to sound uh, off, but we were uh, going to Cross Bay and going to Hard Beach was like. You know, should we go there? Should we not go there? Yeah, that stigma was always there, and you know, guys, guys like Mike Scala, guys like Sam Esposito, you know, these guys broke barriers for us. You know, welcoming us into the community, we welcome to them, them to our community. So this makes us very, you know, very much stronger. And you know, especially Sam, Mike, you guys help us with so many th things, especially 
when 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 we had used to block the streets for Eid prayers, yeah. and then so many and during COVID, we gave out hundreds of thousands of foods on the streets. You know, all these things that we do as a community. You know, guys like Mike Skella, guys like Sam Esposito. You know, you guys are the are the are the the breaking the bridges of the of the two communities. You know, coming together and 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 living in in a society where we can do better things together. Absolutely. I'm glad you say that. That's always been a goal of mine, really, to help build those bridges. We love to celebrate Queens being the most diverse county on the continental U.S., but the unfortunate reality is that it does happen to be very segregated. Even still, yeah. I think we would do well to build more of these bridges and integrate, yeah. come together, right? We're stronger together than we are apart. If we're able to celebrate our diversity, let's yes, go right. out and celebrate our diversity instead of <laughs> celebrating it in our own bubbles, <laughs> right? Let's yes. be diverse. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's a great discussion of what's going on locally. Once again, Carol, I commend you for everything that you're doing in the community as well. I know you're thank you, thank you, thank you. On the real estate side, right? You, you do some big things there too in, in business. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so keep up all the great work. Um, Jay, I know that we've got poll results to go over and then we wanted to talk about the ballot measures, right? Yeah. So, um, we had the poll last week, um, and, uh, the poll question last week was, do you believe that the New York city council member who brought a gun to a protest should lose her seat in the city council? Um, this is talking about, uh, councilwoman in a, I don't, Vernikov? Um, yes, yes. The Ukrainian immigrant, um, she had been an opponent of Palestinian rallies. She went to uh, a Palestinian, a pro-Palestinian rally, and brought her gun with her, um, which is illegal in this in New York. Um, and we went over last week about the different places where uh, carrying a gun is not allowed, even if you are licensed uh, in New York. And college campuses is definitely one of those places. Right. And so, also any place where a, route, a protest is happening is one of those places. Right. Right. And so uh, the poll question, the results, uh, we had 76 percent. Yes, that she should lose her seat. 19 percent. No. And about 5 percent. I'm not sure. Mm. OK. Well, yeah. What happens with that, right? If she gets convicted of a felony, the seat is gone. Right. And and someone did bro bring up that uh, I guess she's also up. This matter is kind of moot, they said, because the uh, she's up for a vote on November 7th. So the voters could could take care of that. But I mean, if she is voted back right. in, it doesn't make it moot. Right? It could yeah. make it moot, I guess, if she loses. <laughs> right. Um, there was another comment that was on the no side that said uh, she shouldn't lose her seat because of this. Uh, there are a few reasons. These are one of the few reasons why New York lost so many of these seats, because uh, if you throw her out, we lose more. People are afraid of crime and unknown people hanging out everywhere. They equate the two and think we're weak and helpless. So. so yeah, saying that throwing her out would cause more of a backlash against Democrats. That's what they're saying, um, because it's it's, you know, it's kind of a. Uh, well, some people look at it as a gun rights issue, mm -hmm. right? Like she was legal with it. She's carrying it. We have the right to bear arms. We can do, you know, and so if you're throwing her out for exercising her uh, gun rights, then, you know, you're going to incur more backlash. But 
you know, as we brought up, she's an elected official. She said her or at least someone in her circle should have said, hey, you know, this is not legal, right? Right, right. So. Yeah, and that's kind of the larger issue here. If you really zoom out, do we want people in office who are out here committing felonies? Because this is a felony. Right, right. So, yeah, interesting, you know, um, but there were, you know, still people who did side with her. Yeah, but uh, you saw, what, about three quarters saying that she should be out? Right. About three quarters said, yeah, 76% said, yeah, she should lose her seat for that. Okay. Um, so any, any opinions on that? What, what's your opinion on that? Uh, me, Jay? Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To the highest extent, he should be expelled uh, right away. I'm not sure why it taken so long. Absolutely. This, uh, she had no right Although she, yes, she was, she had the she had the, the the license to carry the the gun, but no nobody's above law, and you know you right. shouldn't ex if you're if you're not part of the NYPD, you should you shouldn't be exposing uh, exposing the, a, a gun, meaning that your intention you intended to in, intimidate somebody or scare somebody, you know. So we want to look at the intent of her exposing, you know. So I mean. My opinion, she should be expelled right away. Should not give, should not be given a second chance. You know, uh, they should vote her out right away, immediately. Uh, I know she was arrested at three in the morning in Brooklyn at the seventieth precinct. You know, uh, hopefully this could come to this could come to a closure very soon. Yeah, no, I guess that would be the delay, right? Just to allow the due process process. Right. Yeah, yes. because now this is a criminal proceeding. Uh, yes, so, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Right. She was charged with criminal possession of a firearm. So yeah, yeah they're gonna, you know, again, yeah, she's got a due process. Um, yeah, you know, um, you know, it, unfortunately, it doesn't work quite that fast in terms of someone being convicted, right? And we don't know if she pleads down, let's say, to a misdemeanor, then she wouldn't automatically lose the seat, but she could still be voted out you know so especially yeah. especially especially yeah. at this time where our country is you know in in, in a hostile she was she was she was observing a pro pro-palestine protest you know and, and and just the intent of it just you know just the intent of it it you know she should be she should be expelled from city council bodies yeah she, she didn't have any you know I mean, we have rallies and people show up to counter protest rallies and that's that's our right to do so. But to go there and to bring uh, a firearm was unnecessary. And and as we mentioned last week, like if you if you think that going there is going to be the chance of violence to where you need to bring your gun, then you, you shouldn't go there in mm -hmm. the first place. Like you have that option. Exactly. Exactly. So it's the intent again. The you intention. Know, release a statement. You know, yeah. you're put, you're, release a statement. Put it on your social media. I oppose this. That. You don't have to show up there with a gun. It's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of, you know, performative. Um, it, you know, in that regard. I mean, New York. New York. I mean, New York issues permits on carrying concealed firearms only. Openly ca carrying a firearm is not allowed. You know. Yeah. So. But that was the results. That's what the people yeah. thought. Um, All right. So, well, yeah. speaking of what the people think, the people are going to have an opportunity to vote on two ballot questions, amendments to the state constitution here in New York. And quite honestly, even as an attorney reading them, 
they're a little confusing unless you really spend time to go through them. And that concerns me as someone right. thinking about how this plays out when your average voter goes to vote. I don't think most people, unless they really take the time beforehand, are going to know what they're voting on. Right. Yeah. Um, looking at the ballot measures, just looking at the language, I mean, it's it's really written in a way that a lawyer might understand. Um, and then even still, it assumes certain things as well. You right. Know? Um, and well, you might understand if he squints or she squints, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Guys- like, I mean, extend sewage project debt exclusion from debt limit. Like, yeah, the average citizen is not going to understand what that means. And so it, for them to vote on that, I do have right. kind of an issue without it being explained. Right. But now this one, this is proposal number two, the sewage one. Right. That one is actually a little bit more straightforward, even though that's right. a little confusing in itself. Right. But they're talking about the constitutional debt limits for the construction of sewage facilities. And so if this were to be approved, then the debt limit would not apply to these sewage projects. Right. There would be an exclusion for these sewage projects, which would, uh, at least on paper, help with uh, infrastructure. Right. It would allow counties, cities, towns and villages to get their sewage facilities constructed without being obstructed by the debt limit. Right. And I think that that for the average average voter, even that would have to be explained as far as what does the debt limit mean in this right. in this regard, right? What is it that that they're being blocked from from doing with this debt limit? Um, how are they taking on debt? How is that explained as far as debt? Like are these loans, are these grants, or whatever it is that they're right. doing, like you know, well, I think we can look at it just in terms of there is a limit to the amount of debt that can be taken on prescribed by law. Right. And so without this exclusion, it could be possible where a local government might want to construct a sewer system, but not be able to because they're already up against their debt limit. And so they wouldn't be able to afford it. And the law would not allow them to take on the debt necessary to build it. And so effectively you would not have your sewers constructed in these areas and that could be a problem right but so of course people have financial concerns right that's what i see also when i ask people when i look at opinions on this they're saying well, all these things are done to basically excuse higher taxes right because now you're saying that they can borrow more money they can incur more debt but what's that going to mean it's going to fall on us ultimately so there are some people who vote no on all these proposals without reading them because they think it, it just results in higher taxes Right. I mean, yeah. And and so let's look at the first one here. Um, and that was uh, was it removal of small city school districts from special constitutional debt limitation. Right. And so you have to know. So, so before you even get into that, you have to know that there is right. already a constitutional debt limitation on right. city school districts. I mean, who who would really know that? Right. Unless you're a lawyer who. Exactly. Yeah. Points. No one really. You know, the average person is not going to know about Wouldn't know like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we- yeah. And so they have to look at the definition of even what is a small city school district. Right. I mean, because that could right. be a number of things also. And so there right. are all these definitions. Uh, let's see. This is, says a small city is a city with less than one hundred twenty five thousand people. No, one hundred twenty five thousand. That we said. Uh, I thought so. Did I did I mess that up? One hundred twenty five thousand people and the Constitution, the state constitution limits uh, that they cannot take more debt 
uh, debt cannot be more than 5% of the value of taxable real estate in the district. Um, but to qualify as a small city school district, the district has to include any part of that small city. So it doesn't have to be the whole city or the district doesn't have to be just that city. It's a district that includes any part of a small city, which is a city with less than 125,000 people. But this is also kind of tricky, right? Because what's a city? We right. know New York is a city. We know New York is not a small city. It is a city. But then right. you start getting into, because this is a statewide thing we're voting on, right? You can right. start getting into upstate, Long Island, other parts of the state. And you have to ask, are you in a city or not? For example, Long Beach on Long Island is considered a city. A lot of other parts on Long Island are not, right? People who live in these areas sometimes don't even know this. Right, right. So it seems here that the other it says uh, other districts are not subject to this debt restriction, but have different limitations by law. And some state law says their debt can't be greater than ten percent, and versus the five percent for these small cities. Right. Um, so it's if I'm not mistaken, they're looking to bring the small cities up to that ten percent uh, marker that other cities um, have to abide by. Right. They're trying to allow the small city school districts to be treated the same as every other school district. And again, it's not only big city school districts, right? The distinction isn't just small city versus big city, because you might not be dealing with the city at all. So, right. So small city versus other school districts. What if it's just the villages, right? What if it's just the, you know, these areas that aren't considered cities? Those right. are not part of the small city school district exclusion. <laughs> so this would basically treat the small city school district like all the other school districts. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think it, that brings up a good point. Like, does does this differentiate between city versus village? Like if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and you, I'm sure you right. can correct me on this. Um, uh, I live, you know, when I lived in Valley Stream, Valley Stream was village, if not I'm not mistaken. Not a yes. city. Right. Right. It was village of Valley Stream. And I think they even said incorporated it was village. An incorporated village. And I think there's a part of it that's not incorporated. There's North Valley Stream. There are other areas of it. <laughs> But the main part is the incorporated village of Valley Stream. And it does operate a little bit like a city. It's got a mayor and they've got trustees who act like a city council. But it's not a city. And so it wouldn't count as a city in this definition, right? Right. You're talking about small cities. And then you can look up New York. I mean, how many small cities are there in New York? For example, how many people live in Long Beach? I don't know. Would Long Beach be considered a small city? Yeah. So then that makes it, you know, like I said, it makes it difficult for voters to uh, to know what it is they're actually voting on. Yeah, see, Long Beach has a population. Let me see. Oh, I don't know. This doesn't even look right. I see, I see all different stats here. Okay, so it looks like, well, according to Wikipedia, at least, as of 2020, it had 35,000 people approximately. So that would be considered a small city under this definition. Hmm. Now, you brought on some, on some good points on, like, you know, um, that debt limitation, which would prevent, you know, uh, some of these small cities from taking on projects that they may need. Um, and, you know, that could be the, the limit could be preventing them from going there. Um, but on the flip side, it's also do we want to allow these cities to get in more debt than they're able to handle? Right. Then the, then the taxpayers are going to be on the hook to bail them out in that regard. Right. Exactly. That's the main concern. You know, but I think you do have to ask yourself, why is it that small city school districts have this constitutional limitation that the other districts don't? Now, remember, mm. what we're voting on now are amendments to the Constitution of New York. 
And that kind of writes it in stone a little bit more than legislative action, right? Just regular state law. And that's a distinction here to keep in mind. When you talk about these non-small city school districts that have that 10% cap, that isn't per the constitution. That's just a state law. And so the legislature can go in and change that number at will, right? Something mm-hmm. like this, you would need the people of New York to ratify if you were to change it. And so it is stronger when it's enshrined in our constitution than if it's just regular law. Right. right. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, definitely difficult um, thing to think about. I don't like I mean, the so, idea. So one way to look at this is if you were to vote yes on Amendment 1, Proposal 1, that would take the small city school district out of the constitutional provision and put it in with that 10%, which is set by law. And so that would be able to be changed more freely by the legislature. Currently, it's at 10%, but they can pass it any time to make it something else. And so you would be taking it out of that constitutional limitation and allowing it to change at will, or at least at the will of the legislature. Right. Yeah. The, you know, I, I understand the, the how it could free some things up, but the idea of taking on extra debt always makes me uh, a little bit suspicious of things um, because right. someone has to pay that back. Right. And people, you know, kicking the can down the road for paying things back is just not something that uh, is, in my opinion, advisable. I hear you. I hear you. But are you saying then that everyone should have the 5%? So instead of allowing the small school districts to get to that 10% or or whatever the higher cap would be, would you want to keep that at five and bring everyone else down? I mean, how would you handle that? Yeah. um, You know, it probably should be similar across the board. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the question. Go up to the 10 and, or go down to the five. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't know. Um, and then if you look at the actual, the full text of this, you see that there are different, num- different limits set in different areas. So New York city, it says 10%, Nassau County, 10% and the other County 7%. And so They've got different numbers and then that if any town for town purposes, 7%, any village for village purposes, 7%. And it gets very crazy here. I mean, again, and who I'm else? Sure who's reasons. really going to wrap their heads around all this, you know, right, right. Unless, unless you're the person in charge of writing it or you're that deep into it. Most person, most people are not going to really know what's going on with any of this. Right. I'd like to know how, how any of these towns, villages or whatever are, are, doing in paying back the debt that they've already incurred right so we mentioned that one thing that could be preventing new projects from going forth is that they're already up against their debt wall well that means that they haven't paid down the debt that they've already incurred so taking on more debt is just going to saddle the county and the taxpayers with an even greater burden how are they dealing with the debt that they've got and they've already taken out and as far as getting rid of that so, I mean, I know that's not on the, on the ballot, but yeah. that's what I would be thinking. Right, right. And I think people think about these a few different ways. I think a lot of people just vote yes, right? They don't really right. think it through. Maybe they haven't even really seen it or considered it much prior to voting. And right. if, oh, should they re- should a limitation be removed? Okay, sure, it sounds good. I think a lot of people just tend to yes as a default if they don't really know. Right. And then you have people on the other side who just are skeptical of any of these changes and even without knowing what they do, they might say no, because they're thinking that it's just another scheme or plan to get more tax money out of them. Right. Yeah. So 
I would suggest everyone read these through, even though it is confusing, even to a lawyer, right? It's confusing. Read, oh, yes. read, read as much research <laughs> as you can on it. Absolutely. Try to Absolutely. have an idea of which way you're going to vote before you go, because I don't think you want to be on election day or whenever you're going to vote and seeing it for the first time, trying to figure it out. It'll be like reading a foreign language, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the extending sewage project to me seems something like I would, you know, I mean, whether or not you've got the budget or not, if sewage is piling up, it's it's there. It has to be dealt with some way. So, you know, right, right. something very tangible that needs to be handled immediately. I would think so. I would think so. And Me too. Definitely. Definitely. The fact that they're going for sewage in particular suggests that there's right. concern there. Right. right. So somebody somewhere thinks that something needs to be done about these sewage construction projects. And so I don't think personally that they should be inhibited if we can help it. Well, the 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 debt exception for um, for this debt limit uh, expires on January 1st, 2024, and they want to extend it for another 10 years. Right. So um, that's what I guess that's what the uh the rush is on this because it's about to expire which would mean that they would be they would fall under specific debt limits that right now they're accepted for um which could hinder any projects that are currently in progress or going forward right right it would extend the timeline right so and i, and I like i like the idea of this a little bit more because of its um, they're given a specific time. Okay, let's let's give us ten more years. You know, not an indefinite thing. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's something that's going on right now that needs to be handled or, or whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but I do like the fact that the first one removes the constitutional barrier and it basically puts it all into the legislative hands. It does seem a little unfair that the small city school district in particular had that constitutional debt limitation, whereas no other district did. Right. Right. So interesting, Great. but yeah. read up on these. And of course, everyone should go vote. Even if you think that there's no major election happening where you live, you do have this. And it's important that we show the numbers, right? We want to show that our areas have a high turnout because oftentimes resources it comes back down to resources, right? Resources are determined sometimes by turnout. People look at that. They look at how many people will vote in an area. It's you know part of how you measure the activeness, the, the vibrant vibrancy, the the, the yeah. you know, how alive, how vibrant an area is. And so it's very important that we have those numbers to show. We can put in the chat a poll site locator. I think I put the link in a Zoom, Jay. So for those who need Got to know where their poll site is, that's a helpful tool. Early voting starts on Saturday, October 28th, and it goes up to Sunday, November 5th. Of course, if you want to vote on your regular election day, it will be the following Tuesday, November 7th. So two weeks from tonight. Okay. Uh, do you know your poll sites? I know my poll site. Yeah. What about Ghost, Ghost Scala that's uh, in the chat here with us? I don't know where that goes. <laughs> Maybe he's, he's just it's Halloween. I don't know. He's just staring at us like intimidating with this intimidating glare. Like, yeah, <laughs> you better vote. <laughs> yeah, you better vote. <laughs> That's right. Everyone go out there and vote. 
All right. So with the time we have left, and we don't have much time here at all, but we do want to do a poll question for the following week. And to set that up, there was something that happened in California, right? Are they calling this an ebony alert? Yeah. So there was a new California law that created the ebony alert to find missing black youth and women. They were looking to find uh, to address missing uh, persons between the ages of 12 and 25. Now, most people know that, you know, we have the the Amber Alert, which is a a nationwide alert for missing children. However, uh, in practice, I mean, it's supposed to address missing children, everybody. But in practice, they've found that it's usually not applied uh, across the board in an even manner. Um, more often than not, white children are prioritized over black children or, you know, children of other uh, ethnic groups. Yeah. And so there was a um, a politician, a state senator um, in uh, California who proposed this ebony alert that will uh, give resources and attention to missing uh, black children and women uh, in the same way that they're applied to missing children under the Amber Alert. Uh, and so it was signed into law by Governor Newsom um, and supposed to go into effect January 1st. Uh, so it it when when it hit social media, um, there were, you know, of course, mixed reactions. Um, the reaction that I had and many other people, especially that I've seen from the black community is was, why is this necessary? We shouldn't have to have an amber, amber uh, ebony alert for black children and women. You should just force the police to follow the law that's already in place. Right. This makes it this also can open up the op- the chance that since it's specifically designated for black uh, youth and women that it's another way that they can discriminate on the calls that they're going to actually follow and, and listen to. Um, so it's like, explain, why would you create a whole new law? That, explain that one. You're saying that that could lead to more discrimination. I think it could be uh, because, you know, first of all, if they're already not following up when it's black children, they're making different reasons or excuses why they, they don't go into the system for the Amber Alert already. Then if this comes in and it's a, a report for a missing child, then they just pass it off to the ab- Ebony thing. They don't even put any attention or anything into it initially because, oh, OK, we're going to move it to a different group. Right. And kind of, right. It, it reminds me of the whole separate but equal thing. Right. Right. And, and right. We, we learn that that's not really equal. Right. You can't have separate but equal. Right. That's why this so, raises constitutional questions for me. You know, I always think about that when you're talking about categories, categ- categorizations based on race, you're subject to strict scrutiny, right? Meaning mm. it's presumptively unconstitutional unless the state can prove that it's narrowly tailored to fit a compelling governmental interest. Now you might have a compelling governmental interest here. And I'll say that in New York, we worked on something similar, although we didn't have a specific law just for black youth for, or for any type of ethnicity. But what we did find was that police reports were more often taken when the missing person or when the victim was a white person as compared to a person of color. And that is why I think there is a compelling governmental interest to address this discrepancy. But then you have the question of, is this narrowly tailored? Or in other words, is this the least restrictive means of doing it? Because you don't want to have state-sponsored discrimination or state-sponsored 
category, different categories based on race or ethnicity. And so I do think that there are real questions there. Is this the least restrictive way, the least discriminatory way of addressing the discrepancy that does exist? There is that discrepancy. Now, in New York, what we did was we passed the missing adults law. And I actually myself was able to draft the language for it to overcome a veto that it had suffered the year prior to my arrival in Albany. And that was done to address, and you can read the sponsor's memo that I drafted, it was done to address in part this discrepancy that when it was optional in New York for police agencies to file a report on a missing adult, they tended to follow up more when it was a white person than when it was not. And so what we said was now the law is going to say you always have to do it when these factors are met. And essentially, it was a reasonable concern for the person's safety, right? When that is there, then the police don't have a choice. It isn't you pick which ones you pursue, you just have to do it. And that was our attempt to meet that compelling interest, right? So if we could do that in New York, then it suggests to me that what they're doing in California isn't necessarily the least restrictive means. I think there are other ways of doing this, of achieving that same goal. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, listen, a, a missing child is a missing child. It shouldn't matter. Where exactly. it come from, yeah. You know, and, you know, I think the easier way instead of creating a new law is to hold law enforcement accountable for how they're failing to address missing children and how they're disproportionately addressing missing children cases. I think that's much better than creating a whole new law. Now, they did go in to talk about how they've had to do this, or I don't know if you you can say had to, but they've done this in different cases, right? So they have the feather alert in California for indigenous people in California that was signed into law in 2022. Um, They have a silver alert for seniors. uh, they have a blue alert for missing police officers. And so his he was saying, then why is this an issue that we have an ebony alert for African-Americans? Um, and and yes, I agree. Like we, we know all these things are disproportionately af- uh, affect these communities in different ways. But we're talking missing children here. We have a, a missing children alert. This isn't for missing white children. This is right. missing children. Right. Doesn't matter if they're white, black. And, and Bengali, that's right. And that's my question. Why do you need a different color alert for a different type of child? Why not just everyone has to go into the alert system? Why does it have to be, this is going to be a black alert. This is a white alert. You know, I don't understand that part of it. Right. And what's, what's happening is that's going to create more division. The guys, you know, I, yeah. I, I believe, you know, it's, it's going right. to create more animosity. Start to start to jump in, you know, no, 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 you no, know? no please. It's similar to an amber alert. That means, you know, uh, similar to an amber alert means ebony alert would be displayed on across the across uh, the uh, the all, all the television and media. Uh, but but now now because you have a specific name, ebony, uh, you know, is is gonna. I think is gonna create more animosity. Is gonna create a lot of division in 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 where, where we're receiving the calls. Yeah. I, what it shouldn't be any specific, you know, color or race, you know, like 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 you guys are saying, you know, a child is a missing child, you know what I mean? We shouldn't specifically say, oh, there's a black child or Indian child or a white child, 
you know. So these things, I think, before, yes, they passed the bill already, but they they, they should have looked into it more, you know, more aggressively, you know, how the outcome is going to be in the long term. Yeah. You know, yes, 39 percent of 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 twelve to twenty five year old kids are you know black kids, but uh, again, it shouldn't be. We shouldn't have a different specific name for it. You know, and that's my disappointment. It should be one name protecting us all. It, it doesn't matter what color you are. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think Carol, I think you hit on exactly why the Constitution frowns upon different categorizations, different categories or distinctions based on race. You know, the state isn't supposed to do that unless they have a compelling reason and unless it's narrowly tailored, the least restrictive means. But it just to me, it doesn't seem like that this meets those criteria. So I think that it would be ripe for a constitutional challenge. Now, I don't know, Jay, if we have any information as to whether those other alerts, you said this one already for indigenous missing people. Right. They, well, I, least, I don't know if that one was challenged constitutionally already. So the one for police officers isn't a racial category. So that's right. a little different. But we start talking about race. Now, it's possible you might get something like, well, if you put out an alert for missing indigenous people that notifies the tribes or there's something in there that right, that it works with the people of those communities because maybe they are living in their own areas. I'm not sure you know, if that's part of it, but that could be more of a compelling reason or more of a justification for why they would do that. But when you start talking about black people versus white people or Hispanic people or, or South Asian, you know, any, any type of ethnicity, I think it's harder to justify unless you have a real practical reason why that's. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and listen, I, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand why, you know, someone might feel that this is necessary. Right. Um, because like you said, we know that in practice, white children going missing is taken more seriously than minority children. Um, we know that's the case in practice. Um, missing minority children are often f- labeled as runaways first, which does not does not um, trigger the Amber Alert system. Yeah. Right. Missing adults are often uh, minority adults are often labeled as involvement in criminal activity or gains, which, again, would not trigger any of these systems, mm-hmm. whereas a missing white child is going to be more of a ruckus in this case here. Um, I think it also brings up the the possibility that uh, if it's going across the screen as it does now, the Amber Alert, right? People perk up, okay, there's a missing child. Right. But if it goes across as the Ebony Alert, you're right. going to have people who do have their biases or whatever and be like, oh, but they're inert. Ah, that, that doesn't apply to me. I'm, I'm right. right, right. Well, whatever. They're going to think yes, something. Right. Yes, 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 you're right. You're, yes, they'll right. be even tuned right. more to yes. it, whatever the case. Either they're going to tune it out, tune it in, but they're yes. going to take note of the fact that it's a black child, and that's going to be the focus of it. Exactly. Right. to find this person. And that is a distinction between what we worked on in New York and this, because what we did wasn't just the alert system. And so it was about police departments doing their job, following the reports and pursuing it, right? Uh, you know, uploading the information to the database and uh, and taking this seriously. But what they're doing in California is specifically about the alert systems. Now you're talking about not just the police doing their job, but the public being notified. Of notified, them. yes. Right. And so now it's not just a matter of police reports. It's a matter of telling the public, hey, there's a missing black child to look out for. There's a missing indigenous child, right? And so right. I think that adds another layer Lay it to the front. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You're right. The public and and the government is now making racial classifications to the public 
And it's not the public, exactly. And the public is going to choose if they public is going to choose if they want to help or not. Public is going to choose if they want to help or not. So that that creates an even greater problem than what we have now. Yeah, government holding itself out in a in an outwardly discriminatory manner, which I think is troublesome. And and the thing is, it what needs to happen is law enforcement need to be held accountable for not following up how they're supposed to. Right? There was a twenty report that came out. Uh, by the Congressional Black Caucus that showed that 40% of sex trafficking victims were identified as black women, right? Um, and that their their black girls are more likely to be trafficked at a younger age than their racial counterparts. And so that 57 was that black children make up more than 57% of all juvenile prostitution arrests. So it's a, it's a way of people are looking at it, the way people are, um, uh, these communities are more vulnerable. We, we talked about that earlier when we were talking about like uh, potentially people in immigrant communities afraid to uh, reach out to police or, or, or whatever it is. Um, in this case, or, or knowing that people could commit crimes against them because they know that they're more uh, vulnerable or ignored. And that's the same thing that's happening with, with black children and specifically black girls is sex traffickers are knowing that People aren't looking for these girls as much as they're looking for white girls. So they're going to go to them more often than not. Um, and so we need to make sure the system that's out there, the Amber Alert that's out there, is applied to everyone as the way it should be applied. So that these numbers will go down, not only for, for people targeting African-Americans, but for people targeting minority groups, but for people in general, right. because children are being looked for. Right. All right. So we do have to wrap up. I want to put the poll question out for the people and we can come back next week and, and give our results. So the poll question of the week is, do you believe there should be a separate missing persons alert specifically for black youth, as was done in California? All right. And so people say on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have my suspicions. <laughs> the type of people that are going to come out of the woodwork. <laughs> on because of the trigger word of black mm, mm. well we'll see hopefully we get some responses from people across the political and ideological and racial divide and we right. can come back with a nuanced discussion next week right and that's that's what we try to do here that's what we hope to do here is have a nuanced discussion um and we've said it a million times a lot of these issues uh people have similar views uh it's just it's the way it's talked about or that they don't look into it in different ways uh, and so this type of discussion is is really necessary especially uh these days um uh, in the Absolutely. landscape that's happening out there so so line. i think it is i think in this time it's not on either one of us <laughs> oh, you have something you want to say Yes, but before you guys wrap up, uh, I want to thank you, Mike Scala and brother Jay, for having me here today. I just want to, I just want to, fa- I just want to say two things quickly. Uh, I've been doing housing uh, since. Uh, uh, 2003 i am i am i started as advocacy group i i was i'm a i was a big advocate for the low-income family people that that are in affordable housing people uh, that are in nitro apartments hpd section one uh city feps link one link two uh soda program all these various program i was one of the, the biggest advocates in new york city before back in the days when they had the on uh, link one, link two, and city first program, they were giving out vouchers. Bill de Blasio administration, you know, I went to I went to all the town halls and 
every town hall I quote are for people uh, that are receiving these uh, vows for people with low income. The, the, the vows that they were receiving, I'll give you a quick example, a husband and wife and a child or a single mother with two kids, one bedroom vows will be 1238. But mind you, one bedroom anywhere in New York City right now is $1,600, $1,700. I fought for the low-income family for the voucher to go up to meet the market value rate. Today, 2023, a one-bedroom voucher is 2387. It exceeds the market value. You know, Bill de Blasio administration did a great job. Uh, and, and and now, uh, in, in terms of putting, putting the bill in city council and uh, Adams administration, passed the bill and now uh, all this housing voucher uh last year 2022 six thousand people from a shelter and moved into regular uh how uh, regular apartments where they can live a normal life just like me and you mm. so just to close up on this that the the eric adams is, is doing a great job on this uh, on these voucher programs where they're expanding before it was all within the five boroughs of new york city queens brooklyn manhattan Staten island now it's all in new york state 62 counties so the voucher is working very good because wow. the landlords are taking it because one bedroom apartment they are getting 2387 they're getting more than the market value uh, uh so thanks to the adams administration for pushing pushing the voucher and expanding it to all 62 counties in New York State. And one quick uh 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 if anybody is behind rent, if anybody is behind rent, if you guys need any help, you can reach out to me. If you're behind six, eight months rent, you can get the solar program that pays for the whole year. You can go to PATH. If you're facing eviction, you can get a your your rent can be paid up for five years. If you guys need any help, you could reach out to me. My number is 347-672-2256. You know, you, you can go to home base and get city preps so you can move into a regular apartment. Your your rent will be paid for five years. Or you can go to PATH in the Bronx. One it's a path is PATH is the only intake shelter in New York City that, that helps you immediately in the Bronx, 151 East, 151 Street in the Bronx. If you're being evicted or if you're facing homeless homelessness, they'll help you or you can call me and we'll help you through the process uh, uh, in terms of uh, NYCHA, HPD, Section 8, City FEPS, uh, City, uh, uh, SOTA, all these various programs, we can help you. And last thing I want to say, this Sunday, this Sunday, we are holding a massive rally, a pro-Palestine rally. I'm not going to go into details. Uh, humanity, kids, kids are being killed every single day. It doesn't matter what religion and culture you are. You know, if, if one particular organization uh, did harm to one particular group they should be held, held accountable not the whole country not not kid not kid not a, not a two-year kid that is sleeping has no clue about what's going on here he the kids are dying every single day you know so we are holding a a pro uh, uh palestine a protest here at ozone park uh city line the 75 precinct, 102 precinct, 106 precinct, they are helping us uh, 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 maintain and manage this protest. It's going to be on, we're going to start from Four Bell Street going, we're going to march to 77th Street and come back to our main point where we're going to have speakers from all over the city and maybe all over the country. We're going to have a massive, massive uh, rally here in City Line Ozone Park. Please participate. You don't have to be pro-Palestine. You have to be human. You have to be human. The genocide that's going on in, in Israel right now, in, 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 in Palestine right now, as we see every day on TV, 
we as human should come out and speak. Forget about forget about uh, you know religion and and, and culture and, and country. As human, we should stand up against the genocide that Israel is killing kids every single day. We're having a rally. Please come uh, join us. A peaceful rally uh, in Ozone Park, Liberty at 101st Avenue and Drew Street. We will start at 1 p.m. this Sunday. Sunday, 29th, 2023 at 1 p.m. Mike Skella, I would love to see you there. Brother Jay, if you're in the country, please join us. And 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 thank you, Mike Skella. You are a, a leader in the community. We have learned so much for you. We want to work with you. We want to extend you to our 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 community and 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 let's make changes every day. It doesn't matter if I'm Bengali or Italian, uh, somebody else is black, Hispanic. First of first and foremost, we're human at first. Let's come if we, you know, let's if we have differences, we will have differences. That's okay. Let's sit down at the table and let's come together and break those differences and make changes in, in, in daily lives uh, as as we can. Thank you, Jay, and thank you, uh, Attorney Skella, for bringing me here to, tonight. Thank you, Cairo. I think, Jake, that sounded like the bottom line and then song from Cairo. It, it sounded like it. Uh, you, you preempted uh, you preempted yeah. our, our prompt here because uh, <laughs> at the end of the, end of the show, we, we give the guests what we call the bottom line, where they can kind of sum up uh, what we talked about here today or what they filled or they want people to leave with. And it it sounded like you got to it before we even got to it. So uh, I think it works. I'm sorry, man. No, it's absolutely fine. It's 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 great, and um, you know, things like that need to be said. You know, um, about working together and and having you know, uh, cross communities and, and everybody working together for for a common good. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So, for people, I guess I'll, I'll let people know where they can find us. Uh, uh, as some people know, we are on. Uh, YouTube. This this video goes up onto our YouTube channel at Nuance Show. Um, we're on Instagram at Nuance Show. The audio, uh, the podcast version, is everywhere podcasts can be found. So Spotify, uh, Amazon, Apple, uh, YouTube podcasts. I know. <laughs> and so subscribe, check us out, leave comments, leave uh, supporting messages, hate messages, whatever it is. Just get invo involved in the dialogue and participate in having a nuanced conversation because that's really what we need to do is is encourage more communication yes absolutely as always we've got work to do thank you kairul thank you jay thank you everyone out there we'll catch you next week good night guys good night guys ciao <laughs>